Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We can't think of this like flipping a light switch. It's like turning a dial. On Thursday, Wisconsinites received official word that Safer at Home will be extended to May 26th. No bureaucrat has a right and authority to do this to us. Open up! These protesters say they've had enough with the limits on business, gatherings in our daily lives. I understand their frustration, but this gives us all a chance to flatten the curve. The Racine County Sheriff says he does not intend on enforcing the latest Safer at Home extension. We are going to go to the Supreme Court. It's hard to tell where one day stops and another one begins. That's why so many people compare this time of social distancing to the movie Groundhog Day. And that was before Governor Tony Evers announced six more weeks of shutdown. Today, the two big questions, can he do that and should he? From the Fox 6 studios, this is Open Record. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire here with my colleague Brian Polson. Hi, Brian. Hey, good morning, Amanda. We are bringing you new episodes of Open Record each day, Monday through Friday, to make it easier to sort through all of this coronavirus news. And we are recording this episode on Monday morning, April 20th, as Wisconsin gears up for yet another COVID-19 court battle, this one over executive powers. Can the governor's office and the Department of Health Services keep the state shut down until the end of May? Fox 6 reporter Amy DuPont has been following the story closely, and Amy is going to take us through what we need to know today. Let's welcome Amy onto the podcast. Hi, Amy. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me again. So, Amy, before we talk about where this is going, I do want to go back and set the scene. It's March 24th. Governor Tony Evers announces a safer at home order that shuts down many Wisconsin businesses, restricts several more. What's the reaction at that point? You know, I think the initial reaction was just as split as it is now. You know, at that point, we did not have a whole lot of cases here in Wisconsin. People were uh, worried about their livelihood versus their health and safety, and not much has changed then. What has changed with the order is that we've gotten some more clarification on what is essential, what's not. And for those businesses that lie in the middle, um, they have a little bit more ground to work with to maybe make a little money during the shutdown. And now we're at a point where originally it was set to end in just a few days here. It's been extended until the end of May. What was the reaction upon that announcement? It depends on who you ask, honestly, of course, uh, members of the Department of Health Services and the governor's office saying this is where we need to go, along with the governor's legal counsel, as well as other experts from the health department that sit on the daily briefings. Of course, we've heard from Republicans and we saw out in Brookfield this past weekend that citizens... uh, don't always feel the same. There were many people out there protesting uh, that their livelihood is in danger more so than their actual life because of this virus. Uh, And it just depends. You know, I think that people who are still employed, who are still working, um, they feel a lot more comfortable with this extended safer at home order. Of course, if you're not working, 
you feel much differently. I, I think it's interesting. You said one thing. You said that the, the, the feelings with that first order were pretty similar to what they are now in terms of the split. But one of the big differences I noticed is when we had that first order, yeah, there were some rebels at the beginning. Amanda and I covered that right away. Businesses that wanted to defy the governor's order because they felt it was unnecessary and, and they didn't think it was that serious. In short order, numbers started to skyrocket. And I think the vast majority of people in the state seemed to accept at that point, okay, yeah, this is serious and we've just got to do this. We got to bite our time. This time around, while there's a similar split among some who think this is important to continue and others who think it's not, the numbers are going the other direction. Even if it's gradually, instead of skyrocketing, they're starting to fall off. Does that change the calculus in terms of the, the chorus of voices that are starting to rise up and say, hey, it's time to get back to work? And another interesting point, Brian, is that Marquette University's law school did a poll at the end of March. That poll was released on April 1st, before the governor extended the order. 86% of Wisconsin's registered voters who were polled said it was appropriate for the governor to close schools and businesses. I would really like to see that poll now because six weeks is a long time, especially for folks who are not bringing in an income. Well, and there is a very real concern that if we open everything back up too quickly, that the numbers start to climb back up again, and there's further damage to the economy. But it sounds like, in this case, Republican leadership in the legislature, they say they're also concerned about the governor overreaching with his powers. And several weeks ago, when the stay-at-home order came out, we did an episode about what the governor's powers are during a public health emergency. Those powers are limited to 60 days, but they are vast. The interesting thing here is the extension of the stay-at-home order ends after the governor's emergency powers are up, several days after the governor's emergency powers are up. So how does that work? Is that the issue that will be decided in court? Yeah, it it is all about the language. So if you take a look at the extended order, it was issued by the secretary-designee of the Wisconsin Department of Health Services. Her name is Andrea Palm, and she issued Emergency Order 12, which is much different than an executive order. You're right. The governor issued an executive order. That's that health emergency. Uh, But the Wisconsin Legislative Council put out some stuff on this earlier this week. Here's the thing. DHS, and Andrea Palm is the head of that right now, has broad statutory authority whether or not a state of emergency is declared. And she has the power to control communicable diseases in Wisconsin under state law. And she can do things like close schools, forbid public gatherings at churches and other places to control an outbreak. So she does have broad power to shut down places if she feels it is the best way to stop the spread of a disease, which obviously she does. So that is the thing. Her order, again, it's her order. It's an emergency order 12, not an executive order. That's what this extension was uh, drafted under, and it does give her the power to file this extension. Although Republicans now are saying, hey, maybe we need to pull some of her power back, and that's where we're going next. Last week, Republican Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald had said that he is looking at all legal and legislative relief to change the order. So that is what we'll find. You know, Republicans could go into session, and they could change the law to scale back some of her powers, and that's what they're considering right now. Amy, the the original executive order was set to expire April 24th, which is just this Friday, and that would have meant 
Wisconsin returning to work a lot sooner than other states around us. But now with this order going so much further, we stand out in the other direction, which is we have a shutdown that seems to go much farther than the other states. It remains to be seen if some of those other states extend their orders too. But is there, uh, can you talk a little bit about that question of why did the governor go so far with this and what are politicians saying about why he went all the way out until May 26th? Sure. Well, of course, he's looking at forecasts and things like that and, and looking at other states that started to dial back their restrictions and then saw spiking cases. Now, remember that the governor did join kind of like a group with six other Midwestern governors. Um, all of those states, their safer at homes were supposed to end before Wisconsin's original order. And now Wisconsin, they've all extended, but Wisconsin goes much further, as you said. So like Minnesota, theirs ends May 4th. Michigan and Illinois, theirs end April 30th. Ohio and Indiana, on May 1st. The only governor that's kind of holding on and not saying is Kentucky, and that order reads until the state of emergency ends. Uh, those governors are working together to decide when they should open up their governments. But the governor left a little language in the extension to basically say that this order will go until May 26th or until it doesn't. So he did leave the door open to repeal it and, and end it sooner. Um, and, and he has that power along with Secretary Designee Palm. And is the idea, Amy, that it's easier to initially set the order for longer and then you can walk it back later and people have had a chance to plan for it and it's almost a nice surprise if they can open up earlier versus people thinking they can open up earlier and then having to extend it because it sounds like no matter what he does, there's a really big political risk when you're talking about the economy and when you're talking about people's health here. Absolutely. I mean, this is the, it's a very much a, a dividing line of how you feel, whether you feel health or or the health of the economy um, is more important. But yeah, you know, I have not had a chance to ask the governor exactly uh, how he feels and, you know, if he wants to repeal it, if that's his goal. But it just makes sense. Right. I mean, it is much easier. You think about parents, you know, we tell our kids you're going to be grounded for the next week. And then if our kids fall in line, you know, we <laughs> ease up on the punishment. This is the same kind of idea. Idea, right, you bring it out there. You let everyone know this is the hopefully worst case scenario, and then if you're able to bring people back to work sooner, everyone can be happy about that. So, Amy, there's a lot of issues that we'll see that will sort of generate a, a rural versus urban divide, and this seems to be one. Especially if you look at the fact that if you look at the map right now in Wisconsin, 44. Of the 72 counties in Wisconsin, there are fewer than 10 cases of COVID-19. So when you tell the supper club in Merrill, you can't be open and yet almost no one around you in your county has this, that can be a tough sell. Is that a factor here where you have some of these outstate counties that are saying, why are we shut down when the problem is in Milwaukee or in Madison? Absolutely. That is the the argument among some of our Republican leaders. Senator Fitzgerald had said, you know, as you said, Brian, rural counties just don't have the cases that urban and suburban areas do. And so they should not have to follow the same restrictions. But the Evers administration has said that because people can travel throughout the state for work or other reasons, it is necessary to have a statewide policy. Um, so, so that's what they're saying. And it makes sense, right? I mean, people travel all over the state for work. People have cabs. And now we're getting into a warmer season where you're going up north uh, for the weekend to do some fishing and hand, handing out to your family property. And they're afraid that, you know, like people are mobile and that uh, even though, you know, one area doesn't have cases and another does, they feel that we do need a blanket policy. 
part of the issue is testing because for people saying it's not where I am, there's a, a, a caveat to that. You don't know whether or where this is happening. We don't have enough testing on a federal level, on a state level to be able to target exactly what areas stay open and stay closed because it is hard to tell exactly who has it and where it's spreading. So that's part of the issue here too. If overnight we had suddenly a surge in our testing capabilities, I think we'd be looking at a a very different situation here. Well, I also think if you opened up, for instance, because there are zero cases in Lincoln County, Wisconsin right now, and you said, well, because of that, we're going to open up the, the Club 64 Supper Club in Merrill. Imagine the flood of people who can't go to the bar in, you know, Ozaki County or, or wherever who would rush to Merrill for a huge party. So, I mean, I think you would end up with problems because people would race to the places where they're open. So, Amy, to your point, if you, if you sort of do this piecemeal, then you do have the risk that people are going to travel and they're just going to take the problem elsewhere. And you, you talked about the governor's language, too. Here's another. The testing is a big part of that, right? The governor and other governors in that Midwestern pack are saying that opening up the economy will, in part, rely on testing. So we have a better idea of who has this virus, who's already recovered, and who's at risk. Amy, I know that we've been talking about people who are opposed to the extension of this order. Is it opposition to any extension of the order? Is it opposition to how long the order was extended? Or does this just go back to that deep political divide that the governor and the legislature have had since day one? I I think that, yes, there is some deep political divide. Okay, so at the state level, according to the Journal Sentinel on Thursday, there were some senators calling to fire Secretary Designee Andrea Palm. Okay, and and we've seen that she has been working a year and a half as the designee and has yet to be confirmed (laughs) by by Republican lawmakers. And that it's not just her position. We've seen that throughout the Ethers administration. So that kind of battle and the, the slow rolling of appointing his folks, that dates back a year and a half. When it comes to these protests that we're seeing, um, as far as I've read, I haven't heard of any lawmaker showing up and standing on the picket line with these folks. Uh, Again, these are business owners. Um, They're people that just don't believe that it should have been extended. So to answer your question, I really think these protests popped up after the governor here in Wisconsin said he wanted to extend it. Uh, That wasn't the case in some other areas, uh, but that's what we're seeing here. So it's just frustration of, hey, we've done this a month. We've flattened the curve. Let's get back to work because now now, again, their belief is that we've crossed that line from hurting lives to hurting livelihoods. Well, and in some cases, these protests are more organic. In other cases, there has been a coordinated effort to protest in state capitals across the country. It's why we've heard of so many of them popping up in recent days. So it's interesting to see that dividing line. It's interesting to see what the organization looks like when it comes to organizing that opposition to this order. I'm curious about what the, and maybe we'll never know, what the reaction would have been if he said, hey, we're extending this by two weeks instead of six, or four weeks instead of six. 
Yeah, it is hard to say. And you talked about the organized. Remember, you're right. The one in Brookfield kind of popped up quickly. But the organizer of the rally that's being planned for the end of this week at the Capitol in Madison, some 3,000 people have said they want to go there. Now, how they show up, it's been mixed. They're going to drive by. They're going to stand on the Capitol lawn. Uh, that hasn't, you know, they haven't kind of flushed out all those details that, or they haven't shared them. But there was a, I watched it. It was about a two-hour um YouTube Live with a group, this conservative group nationwide. So it was folks not only from Wisconsin, but North Carolina, and they talked about the efforts they're going to show up at their state capitals and protest because, again, they believe that this has gone too far. I do believe we have a perfect storm of things happening right now, which is obviously this unprecedented in our lifetimes, this unprecedented pandemic. It's happening during a presidential election year with social media available, which certainly never was before. And, and this is all happening as springtime is emerging. People are tired of being cooped up. Winter was already long enough. People are itching to get out. So there's a lot that plays into how people are reacting to this. And I've, I said this from the very beginning, I felt people would be pretty compliant for a few weeks. But once you start getting into three, four, five weeks, people get restless. And I do think probably the length of this order played into some of the maybe uh, degree to which people have reacted. It is interesting, though, your question, Amanda, would the reaction have been similar had the order only been extended to, say, the first week of May or the second week of May? And we don't know. And it may well be that because the governor left himself the out, that by mid-May, he walks it back and, and things open up. Um, a, a lot of this is this sort of remains to be seen. What will be interesting, I think, though, is the legal battle over where those powers extend. And that's something that could have lasting impact beyond when we return. I think everyone's in agreement that we're going to return to normal. The question is when. But what will the lasting impact be in terms of the powers of the governor's office and, and maybe even the power of the Secretary of Health in Wisconsin? And there's an interesting perspective that I, I do want to talk about, and that's of uh, furloughed nurses right now. So these are people who, from a health care standpoint, they've seen how serious this issue they can get at the same time. And I've done several stories about healthcare workers in departments that aren't busy right now because elective surgeries have been canceled. It's how hospitals make their money. And so these people are sitting at home. So these are people who, on one hand, are eager to get back to work. On the other hand, are seeing things through this public health lens. And one of them over the weekend told me, she said, if, if we were to go back and open everything up on the original date this order was set to expire. She compared it to putting out most of a fire and then just walking away as a very small part of it burned so it could spread again. That was her perspective. Um, so I th I think those groups where their the dueling interests might intersect, uh, those are the ones that I want to hear more from this week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have friends that work in La Crosse, Wisconsin. So La Crosse has, what, 25 cases? Well, that economy in La Crosse, two of their biggest employers are the two hospital systems, Mayo and Gunderson. And yeah, they're furloughing people. and it, it So that's a huge chunk of their economy. And their food pantries are running low because you have so many people that now need help, yet 25 cases. So that's another community where they are struggling with this order. And it is the health experts, the folks that would be in this up to their elbows, you know, if those hot spots pop back up again, that are really struggling to make sense of 
of what is the right answer. And I don't think anybody knows, right? I mean, there is no winner. There is no loser in this battle. Everyone is struggling with it. But that's another example, Amanda, where, yeah, you have the people that are in the health battle but are also struggling financially and and, and no one knows what to do. We're going to be talking about this for some time to come. That is the one thing that we know absolutely for certain It's not over yet, and we're going to have a lot more to say about it. And of course, we're going to continue bringing you more frequent episodes of Open Record as we cover the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. If there's a topic you want us to discuss or an issue you think we should investigate, please send us an email at theinvestigators at fox6now.com. That's T-H-E, investigators, at fox6now.com. Thank you, Amy, so much. I'm sure we're going to have you back as we see how all of these court issues unfold. (laughs) Yeah, I will be happy to bring you the latest. (laughs) And thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire. And for Brian Polson, we'll be back tomorrow. Mm -hmm.